0: All right. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Garrett Price. I am the sports ministry director here at Third Street Community Church. Every once in a while, they're like, hey, Garrett, um, you know, uh, we're, we're desperate. We don't have a lot of other options. And so uh, we're going to let the sports guy talk uh, this Sunday. Can you do it? And of course, I say yes. Um, and they're like, how many, uh, how many sports analogies are you going to use, like less, less than five? Because you know, not everybody likes sports, right? And uh, so I'll do my best to try to uh, uh, not be too sports oriented this morning. Um, but it's, it's always tough too because uh, I got an opportunity here, I'm already going with sports, I got an opportunity to play uh, football with Marcus. And uh, as, as much as I thought I was a fantastic football player, uh, Marcus was a much better football player than me and uh, was the last, the last ever at Malone to rush for 1,000 yards. Is that right, Marcus? Yeah, last, last pioneer ever to rush for 1,000 yards. So, so then he's like, oh man, Garrett's preaching today. I'm gonna go up and like give a little word before he speaks so I can be better at him in this too. So, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, so I really, really appreciate that, Marcus. So I prepare to be disappointed. Uh, no, it's funny, when I, when I go to preach, I'm not naturally a nervous person. Uh, I'm pretty laid back. Uh, I like to goof around, have fun. Uh, I was never like a nervous test taker. I never got nervous before games. I never got nervous with any of this stuff. But there's something about when I preach. And it's not even just public speaking, but there's something about when I preach. And there's part of me that wants to say that there is this this moment where you realize that you're bringing the word of God to a group of people. And there's a lot of pressure uh, with that. And part of that is absolutely the reason I get so nervous. Um, But I think that there's another part of me that gets nervous, and it's because this is big church. Like, growing up as a kid, there's, like, kids' church, and then, like, you got to go to, like, big church. And people, like, in big church, like, it's, it's serious in big church. Like, you don't goof around in big church. Like, pastor will call you out. Like, no playing, screaming in the aisles. Like, it's big church. And so now I'm like, oh, shoot. They asked me to preach in big church, not like, you know, sports church or like, you know, kids church, like it's all the same church. But regardless, like, you know, I, I, it, so I have this like pressure of like an eight-year-old of like, oh man, you're in big church. So let's pray this morning for big church and we'll get going. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning, the chance to be able to gather together, to be able to talk about you to be able to learn more about you, to be able to talk about the Holy Spirit and how he moves and how he works in each and every one of our lives if we so allow it. And God, I pray that you would get me out of the way, that you would remove me and all of my shortcomings, and Lord, that you would, that you would speak, that you would bring the word that needs to be spoken today. That each and every heart would be open, Lord, and that we wouldn't just come here just to hear another word and leave exactly the same, Lord. So often, we don't come to church expecting. And God, I pray that we would be expecting this morning, that we would be expecting an encounter with you, and that we would walk out of here different because of the encounter that we had with you. pray all these things in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to have two main points today. Um, I try to keep uh, things moving. I try not to be too long-winded. So I just have two, two main points today. The first point that I'll have today is the Holy Spirit can bring you into community. We've been in this series about the Holy Spirit, uh, about power. We've had a bunch of different people come up and share all of these beautiful things that we, they've, they've learned and they've gleaned from digging into scriptures and seeing how the Holy Spirit moved and worked in all of these different situations. And so I was asked to come and speak about the Holy Spirit and how it brings people into community, how it generates new community. And as I was looking through and I was reading all of these different passages and scriptures, I ran across one uh, about King David. And I have always been a big fan of David. And once again, kind of going back to a kid. I think in my mind, if there was one person in Scripture that could play strong safety for the Cleveland Browns, it was King David, all right? So he, he was out there with the slingshot, he was a warrior. I mean, I have to imagine in my mind the dude was yoked, like, I, I have to think that this dude was probably an incredible warrior, but he wasn't like, you know, Fat Thor in the New Avengers. Like I'm assuming, I'm assuming that this dude was an athlete. And so I was always drawn to David because I assumed in my mind that this dude was an athlete. But even more than that, as you dig deeper into who David is, he's a he's a fascinating person in scripture because he was a man that was considered after God's own heart. And he did these incredible things and he had these incredible battles and he and any if if you've been in church anytime, you've probably heard David and Goliath. They even use David and Goliath as analogies for different things going on in life or, or events or different things. And Goliath is this overwhelming, overbearing thing and David is the, the underdog. And so I've always been fascinated by David. But I was also fascinated because we also saw the flaws of David. David was a guy that fell short. And he did it in a big way on multiple occasions. And it helps remind me that even though we hold these people up on a pedestal, they were still humans and they still fell short and they still messed up. And I know you're thinking, Garrett, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Why are you still talking about David? I promise we'll get there. I promise. Stay with me. But we need some context first. I want to give you this backstory so that when I get to the moment of talking about what the Holy Spirit has done and how the Holy Spirit has moved in a situation that makes no sense, you understand how big this picture really is. See we talked about David and Goliath and Goliath was one of the big enemies that we talk about with David but realistically there was somebody that was even more in conflict with David and it was on a regular basis and that was King Saul. Before David came King Saul, and King Saul was tall. King Saul was good looking. King Saul probably would have been on the cover of GQ if they had it back in the day. Like, King Saul was that guy that everybody looked up to. He came from a wealthy family, an influential family, and he was the king that was revered as a commander of armies. However, on multiple occasions, King Saul disobeyed direct orders from God direct orders and he did what a lot of us like to do where we hear from God and we try to give like most of what God is calling us to but like we want to hold something back for ourselves, and that was kind of where Saul was at and on multiple occasions he'd obeyed disobeyed direct orders from God and we get to this point 1st Samuel 15 28 it won't be on the screen and Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to someone else. Someone who is better than you. Now I don't know about you, but if I hear, hey, I'm giving this to somebody that's better than you, that's a, that's a shot to my ego. That's a shot to my pride. So I'm trying to figure out who is this person that's better than me. We've already heard that that Saul's a good-looking dude. He's taller, he's bigger, he's that guy who could possibly be better than me now just a chapter later we see Samuel going and anointing David as the new king and later on 1 Samuel 16:14 now the lord or now the spirit of the lord departed from Saul The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. That is the Holy Spirit. That is what we've been talking about. That's what we've been building up to. The Holy Spirit departed from Saul. And this is what he lost. He lost a helper. John chapter 14 describes the Holy Spirit as a helper. He lost an intercessor, which means that the Holy Spirit goes on our behalf and speaks to God the Father. So he lost a helper. He lost an intercessor and he lost a teacher. Revelation chapter two talks about the Holy Spirit as a teacher and these are just three things, three ways that the Holy Spirit's described and King Saul lost all of this, lost it, gone. Because of this, Saul went to a dark place, lost the Holy Spirit, lost his helper, lost his guide, lost his teacher, lost it, went to a dark place and grew so jealous of David that on multiple occasions, he went for David's life, went to take him out. Because here's this person that's been called better than me, I'm going to make sure I take him out. However, he was unsuccessful and eventually died. And here's where we're going to get to our main chunk of text, 1 Chronicles chapter 12, we'll be starting in verses... 1 and 2. The following men joined David at Ziklag while he was hiding from Saul, son of Kish. And they were among the warriors who fought beside David in battle. And all of them were expert archers. And they could shoot arrows or sling stones with their left hand as well as their right. And they were all relatives of Saul from the tribe of Benjamin. We'll move on further down into the chapter into verse 16, 17, and 18. Others from Benjamin and Judah came to David at the stronghold. And David went out to meet them and said, if you have come in peace to help me, we are friends. But if you have come to betray me to my enemies when I am innocent, then may the God of our ancestors see it and punish you. So real quick, before we read this verse, you can leave it up. But before we read this verse, we were told that these men were from the tribe of Benjamin. The tribe of Benjamin was the lineage of Saul. That's where Saul came from. So this is his family. The tribe of Benjamin are the people that he knows, he's tight with, okay? So we get to verse 18. Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, The leader of the 30. And he said, we are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you and success to all those who help you. For your God is the one who helps you. This is Saul's family. And he's from the tribe of Benjamin. And the tribe of Benjamin at this time was the smallest tribe. They had been kind of wiped out. And so there's not a lot of them. So it's kind of like this. If you went to a small high school, right? I went to a smaller high school. And there's that one person from your small high school that like made it out and became famous. You're like, yo, I, and you talk about him all the time. Like, oh yeah, did you see? Oh yeah, my dude, he did this. Like, he's pretty cool. Yeah. We went to school together. Like it was no big deal. It's whatever. That was kind of like how this was, I still do the same thing. I'm like, yeah, we had, a, uh, we had a Cy Young pitcher go to our high school. Here's the thing, the dude pitched in like the 60s. Like, I have no clue who this guy is, but I'm like, yeah, he won the Cy Young. He was the best pitcher in baseball. Like, it's no big deal. He went to my high school with basically best friends, whatever, never met the guy. But I, I still talk about it because like that puts us on the map. So it's not like these guys didn't know who Saul was. Saul was the king from a small tribe that rose up to power, that was taller than everybody, that was better looking than everybody, that came from a wealthy family, they knew exactly who King Saul was. And yet, the spirit came. The spirit came and these men said, you know what? We wanna be loyal to you, King David. And if that wasn't crazy enough, Saul's son had already been anointed king after Saul's death. So they could have easily transitioned right into, all right, well, Saul's gone, so you know, we're gonna follow in his son's footsteps and we're the tribe of Benjamin, we're a family, we're gonna stay close together. Could have easily done that. But instead, verse 18 says, the spirit came. The spirit came upon Amasia. leader of the 30, and he said, we are yours, David. We are on your side, son of Jesse. Peace and prosperity be with you, and success to all those who help you. For the God, for your God is the one who helps you. And so David let them join him and made them officers in his troop. Clearly the Holy Spirit moved in a way. That didn't make sense, but it brought this community around David of men that he would have to trust more than anyone else. These are his greatest warriors now. These are the ones that he's trusting his life with, all of his battle plans, all of his strategy. These are the guys that are going to be the officers and the leaders in his army. This is this new community that's been brought around him specifically because the Holy Spirit intervened. When I, uh, when I was in, at Malone, I remember the first time I met Corey. Corey and I hung out a little bit. We weren't, we weren't super close. Why are you rolling your eyes already? Man, I'm not going to say anything mean yet. I remember, I remember when the first time I met Corey. And, and while we were in school, we were good friends. We would hang out from time to time. We'd grab Taco Bell. We'd talk sports, whatever. We would like not turn in homework together and get in trouble. It was great. Um, But while we were at Malone, although we were friends, we weren't super super tight. We were definitely good friends, but we weren't weren't super close. But as time moved on, I remember out of the blue, we were graduated from school, and Corey calls me, and he's like, hey, well, he left a message, and he was like, hey, I'm starting a fantasy football league. And I'm like, I love you, man. I, I knew God was in you. I'm starting a fantasy football league and I want you in. And so I like feverishly like call back. He doesn't answer, but I'm like, yes, like get me in this league. Like I love fantasy football. Like it's actually probably a bad obsession. You're probably actually leading me into something I shouldn't be into. But anyway, I'm doing it. Like get count me in. And it was all guys from Malone, all guys that I had had built some sort of relationship with, some closer than others. And so I called him back and left this message. Well, for some reason, Corey never got the message. Never got it. And so a little while later, I was like, hey, like, we still good for this league? He's like, I never heard back from you. I didn't think you wanted in. I was like, this this dude, seriously? He's like, well, let me, let me see. There's one guy that might be in, might be out, I don't know, Like, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So eventually we find out that this guy is not gonna be in, I joined the league, it's great. Through that, Corey and I get closer, our friendship grows he ends up bringing a team from here, from the Martin Center, to play in a flag football league that I was running in Akron. And so we have a good time playing in that league together. My team beats his, it's not a problem, whatever. And through that, our friendship became stronger. I end up leaving, moving to Oklahoma, and while I'm there, I get a call from this dude in my fantasy football league that's like, hey, come back to Ohio. And I was like, no. He's like, no, 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 seriously, like I have a job that I think you would love. It's doing sports. Like you, you'd be all over, it's, it's a good fit. It's gonna be at the Martin Center. I was like, you know, man, I'll, I'll think about it. Like I would like, to, I would like to eventually come back to Ohio. We, we just had our first daughter. It's something I'm definitely considering. Like I'll let you know. As time went on, really had no desire to do it. Didn't seem like the right fit for me. Didn't seem like the right job. And we're actually in town And I have a meeting with Corey that was only supposed to be about a half hour or so. And in that time, I was going to tell Corey, like, hey, like, I appreciate it. But, like, take me out of consideration. Like, I really, I don't think this is the right fit. And then the Holy Spirit moved. And I can tell you the exact moment, the exact room. We were down there in the cafe, down there by the arcade. And we were in there. And I swear, in that moment, all of a sudden, I got it. I saw the vision for what they were wanting to do here. I saw the vision for the church they wanted to plant. I saw the vision for the community, the kids coming in that needed a meal, the, the, the community that needed a, uh, somebody else to just be here to help run leagues, to help do things. And I got it. In that moment, I got it. And I was like, I need to be here. I want to be a part of what's happening. I want to be here. But that all happened starting back with the fantasy football league. Now. I know that sounds silly, but I truly believe that the Holy Spirit moved in that time when I first met Corey at Malone for us to start a relationship that I could be in that league so that way he would eventually join this flag football league, so that way he would see us doing sports ministry together and what it could look like, that we would eventually lead to this moment where the Holy Spirit would once again intervene and bring us to this point here. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit brings you into community if you're willing to listen. That's what David had. David had an opportunity. And these men that, that were Benjamites, that were following Saul, had this opportunity. But they listened to the Spirit and the Spirit moved in them and they became part of David's community. I became part of this community because of the Holy Spirit. Point two. The Holy Spirit offers freedom from bondage. I, uh, I am a big movie fan. I'm a big uh, suspense thriller, like on the edge of your seat type shows, like that, that's my lane. Like if, if you're a real fan, you probably know I did not do this on purpose, but you probably know that this is a Stranger Things shirt uh, right now that I'm wearing. That was not intentional, uh, just so happened. Praise God for Stranger Things. I love that show. Season three was great. Um, but I love, I love shows that are suspenseful, put you on the edge of your seat. And I'm always thinking like, oh man, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen next? And a, a theme that I've seen in quite a few different shows and movies is this of Stockholm Syndrome. Now, I don't know how many of you guys actually know what Stockholm Syndrome is. So I'm going to tell you. It's when victims of a hostage situation or a kidnapping start to form a psychological bond and connection to their captors. Now we see this in in movies like Split, uh, In Time with Justin Timberlake. Don't hate on Justin Timberlake, I love Justin Timberlake. Uh, V for Vendetta, all these different movies, we see this theme of Stockholm Syndrome. And it's basically somebody gets taken against their will. And obviously that would be a horrifying situation. But over time, they start to become comfortable or they start to form a bond with those that have taken them captive. And they get used to it. And they actually kind of start to to think that what's going on is okay and they start to be for this person that has taken them. Now before you judge me for my taste in movies, uh, this is basically low-key the theme of uh, Beauty and the Beast. So your movies are scared, scary too, so just, just saying. But we have, I bring up Stockholm Syndrome because I believe that we all suffer from this. Not in the physical sense of we've been taken, and if you have, I apologize. That is a horrifying and terrible situation. But I believe that we have all suffered from this Because we live in a state where we start to sin, right? We find something and in the moment, in the moment at first it's scary or we're unsure and it takes us captive and it takes us hold, but over time, you know what? We kind of start to like it. Over time we become okay with it. Over time we're like, you know what? Maybe this is even better than things were before. Maybe I'm better now in this situation than when I, than when I didn't have this in here. Man, I kinda, I'm kind of comfortable. I kind of like this. I don't think I'm going back. And we get stuck in this bondage. Romans chapter 8, 2 through 6. And because you belong to him, the power of the life of giving spirit, hope you heard that, has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of our weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do, and he sent us his own son in a body like the bodies of what we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us, declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son for us as a sacrifice for our sins. And he did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about the things that please the Spirit. So let your sinful nature control your minds. Oh, so letting... So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and to peace. The law of sin no longer has a hold on you because of the Spirit. Let me say that again. The law of sin no longer has a hold on you because of the Spirit. We are all stuck in this sin. And we get comfortable there. And guys, if I have to be honest, I'm preaching to myself just as much and probably more than to anyone else here. I find something and I get comfortable. And I say, Garrett, you're doing so good. You're a good dad, Garrett. Dang, you're a good dad. Garrett, you're a good husband. You're a good ma- You're doing great things in the community. This little thing is not a big deal. Not a big deal. And I get comfortable in it. And I think it's okay. And actually, at times I kind of like it. And that's a scary place to be because we have gotten to the point that this sin has a hold on us. The law of the sin has a hold over our hearts. But the spirit, the spirit is the one that brings freedom from bondage. The spirit is the one that breaks those chains. The spirit is the one that sets us free. But what we do is we like to surround ourselves with community that support that bondage. We like to surround ourselves with those that say, man, it's all good. And if you don't believe me, if you're saying like, look, why would I surround myself with a community that says like sin is good? That's stupid. I don't do that. Garrett, you're a moron. If If you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, then answer these questions to yourself. You don't need to say anything. Answer these questions to yourself. Who is it easier to hang out with? Is it easier to gossip to the person that says, yes, give me all the details? Or is it easier to gossip to the person that says, yo, we shouldn't be talking like that? What's easier, right? If you don't believe me, is it easier to hang out with the person that will gladly sit right next to you and drink away their sorrows along with yours, or say, hey, I think you've had one too many? What's easier to do? We like to surround ourselves with community that is comfortable Because we would rather live in our sin than allow the Holy Spirit to set us free and live in community that's going to call us out when we need to be called out. And guys, that's not comfortable. I hate being called out. It hurts. It's a shot to my pride. It's a shot to my ego. And all of a sudden, I don't think I'm such a good husband anymore. I don't think I'm such a good father anymore. I don't think I'm such a good Christian anymore. It's a shot to my ego and it hurts. But you know what? That's the community that I need to be in. And the Spirit is what brings that community, not bondage. I could go on and on with examples, but I won't. But what I know is that I have been so blessed to have found a community where there is life. The Spirit has intervened on multiple occasions. And got me to a point where I have so many people that I know that I can turn to, that I know will call me out when I need to be set straight. That I know that when that day comes where things are just not going well, that I can pick up the phone and I can call. And they're not just going to be yes men and yes women that just say, oh, it's okay. They're not going to let me live in my Stockholm Syndrome. They're going to call me out of that into life. And I know some of you are probably sitting here and saying, what? Like, I don't, I don't even fully know what you mean by community. Like, I don't even fully know what you mean when you say, like, the community that the Holy Spirit gives you. Like, I don't even know what that means. Who do you spend your time with? Who do you spend your time with? That is your community. Specifically, who do you choose to spend your time with because what should community do? When the Holy Spirit is leading your community, what should it look like? Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that it encourages others to love and do good deeds. Romans chapter 12, 4 and 5 tell us that a good community is using their gifts and talents together in one body. Psalms 133 says it's peaceful. If you don't have a place of peace, then you don't have a community that the Holy Spirit's involved in. I'm going to start closing up. Band, if you want to come up. I'm a, very, um, I'm a very practical person, and I love, I love hearing good sermons, I love hearing good messages. But if I don't have something that I can do with it, I sometimes come away at a loss. I don't really know where to go from here. I, I, I heard you. I heard what you said. I believe it. It sounded good. But I don't, I don't really know what to, to tangibly do with this. First of all, if there's an area of your life that you have Stockholm Syndrome, you need to give that to God. God there's an area of your life that you're living in sin and you've gotten to the point where you're okay with it and you're comfortable with it, that's not okay. You need to give that over to God. Secondly, if you don't have somebody in your life that you can look up to, that you can talk to that will call you out when they know that you're living in sin, if you don't have that person in your life. That's what your prayer needs to be. God, help me to find those people because they're there. And in fact, they're looking for you. They want to spend time with you. We have a church full of people that want to spend time with you, that want you to be a part of their community. You just got to join. You just got to jump in. And maybe somebody out there is, is saying, thinking to themselves, I need to start being that community for somebody else. I need to be able to be that person that's willing to call people out. I get too uncomfortable. I don't like confrontation. I don't know how to handle it. Maybe you need to be that for someone else.